Our first Bible reading comes from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, and it's in two parts. The first part from verses 1 to verse 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And the second part is from verses 18 to verse 21. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. As you can turn with me again to the book of Colossians, I'll be continuing our reading, which will be Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, and through to chapter 4, verse 1. So that's Colossians chapter 3, and verse 22. Let's hear from God's words. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide for your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truths uh, that we just sang about. And Father God, as we uh, look at your word, which gives us those words to sing. Lord, may you uh, renew those words in us, make them true in us, uh, so that we may continue to follow Christ. And we pray this in his precious name. Amen. Friends, if you were here last week, week, you missed out on a really fantastic sermon. Some of the best teaching that you will ever hear. Just before you all fall out shaking your head because my head has just filled the room, let me explain. It was an awesome word, not because I reckon I taught the passage just right and for every point gave the perfect illustration. No, the reason last Sunday was so great had nothing to do with me at all. Nothing to do with me, but everything to do with Paul. As he, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, revealed why a simple Colossian Gentile believer from day one can toss the religious rules and and regulations handbook out the window. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, and all the rest of them are now and forever completely obsolete when you become a Christian. And why is that the case? How is that the case? 
Because, writes Paul, chapter 2, verse 17, our reality, our new reality is in Christ. And what exactly does being in Christ mean? Well, as we saw last week, it means we are now united to our Saviour as a branch is to a vine, as members are to a body. And that reality changes absolutely everything. Everything about how we understand ourselves, understand God, this world and the next. How so? Well, let me walk you through it, writes Paul. To begin chapter 2, verse 20, being Christ means a believer is united with Jesus in his death. So why is that a good thing? Well, because the old Jew, the old unholy, unrighteous, under God's judgment you, is now no more. As Paul assures the Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Okay, so where is this new me? Well, with the price paid for sin, we as members of Christ by him rose with him and are now in God's presence. And not just in the throne room, back off in the, in the corner somewhere. No, our union with Christ means we have the best seat in the house, with Christ at God's right hand. Now, friends, as we are all seated together here this morning, very much still on earth, Paul is clearly talking about our spiritual reality here. But don't worry, he writes, the physical will soon catch up. Chapter 3, verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now, brothers and sisters, it's these amazing truths, Paul's explanation of what it means for us to be in Christ that made last Sunday such an awesome and encouraging word. And the challenge that came out of this awesome word was clear. We are to not just know all this as some kind of theological concept no, we are to own it. Own our new in Christ reality, body, soul, and spirit. How's that done? Friends, I can tell you how it is not done. If you still have your Bibles open, look at the heading above chapter 3. The heading above chapter 3. It says there, Rules for holy living. Now, whose idea it was to write that down? I don't know. But I'm going to stick my neck out and say that has got to be one of the worst editorial decisions in this entire translation. An error compounded because the R word is repeated again above the section we read out before. Rules for Christian households. Now, friends, if nothing else, these two headings show the whole idea of getting rules and regulations out of our heads, 
does not come easy. It's hard. So let me say in being folders, chapter 3 has nothing whatsoever to do with rules. I mean, consider for a moment just how contradictory that would be. Paul closes chapter 2 by assuring us that when we are in Christ, we can toss out the rule book. For religious regulations have no value. Verse 23. Having said that, Paul then takes a breath, dips his quill and goes, Right, now let me tell you all the rules you have to live by as a Christian. Wait, what? Friends, let me assure you, despite those two meetings, rule keeping is the furthest thing from Paul's mind. Rather, what Paul has in mind is actually right under that false heading. Chapter 3, verse 1. Have a good look at it. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you die, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. My friends, see what Paul is telling us here? He's not saying, right, now you're a Christian, here's your brand new rule book. No, he's saying, now you're a Christian, here's your brand new destination. So lock this heavenly destination in both here and in here. And friends, as soon as you begin to do that, the more and more you set your heart and minds on things above, where you now belong, the more your life will begin to change. And we all know that to be true, don't we? As I said last week, if you've ever had the experience of moving house, once the contract is signed and sealed, your heart and your mind immediately make the switch from the old to the new. And this heart and mind switch also brings a switch in your day-to-day behaviour as you count down to moving day. So it used to be for us as we get ready for the biggest, best, most glorious moving day of all. And so, writes Paul, leave behind what you'll be leaving behind. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. But that's not all. You are also to pick up or put on the characteristics of your new nature, the new you. You know the one that is now holy and dearly loved by God, verse 12. So we see what's being communicated here is not rules. It's not earned. It's owned. Now you know who you are and where you are going. Own it. Live it. 
And here are some inspired words on how that's done. And friends, Paul's word about how we own our new reality does not end at verse 17. But it sure looks that way, doesn't it? As we now get hit with a paragraph break along with that big bold heading again. Rules. Rules for Christian households. And with that big headline shoved in our faces, we can easily now continue with an attitude of, oh great, here it comes. I knew it. A whole bunch of rules that I'm going to have to follow if I'm going to be a good, worthy Christian. And if you're married and a woman, that sense for many of you is now immediately confirmed. As Paul writes, wives, submit to your husbands as is feeding in the Lord. But friends, let me remind you, Paul didn't put in that paragraph break, or did he write that heading here? And I can assure you, if he was around today, he would like to have a word or two with a person who did. Because what he's doing is continuing to explain how we own our new heavenly status, our new in Christ reality. How we own it in our relationships. That is, there is the old earthy way, earthly way to express these relationships, and there is the heavenly way to express these relationships. And with this in mind, Paul begins by addressing the marriage relationship. And he begins with marriage, because marriage is the prime and most important relationship on earth. It's the most important. Not simply because it's this relationship that allows the children to enter the world and from there be properly nourished to adulthood, now there's another and even more important reason why Paul places this relationship at number one. And that reason is the marriage relationship is meant to be a visual representation to the world of another relationship. What is this relationship? Well, friends, listen carefully to these words from Paul in Ephesians 5 and see if you can pick it up. Paul writes this. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by, by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. 
After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he pleads and cares for it. Just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Friends, did you pick up on why Christian marriage is the most important relationship on earth to God? If not, here it is. It is meant to be a visual representation to a lost world of the restored, loving relationship between our Maker and us. Let me say that again because it's so important. Christian marriage is meant to be a visual representation to a lost world of the restored, loving relationship between our Maker and us, between Christ and His people, the Church. The wife's role is to represent the Church's love for Christ, and the husband's role to represent Christ's love for the church. And this love is expressed through two types of sacrifice. The husband by putting his wife's good, her needs above his own, and his wife sacrificing by submitting to the leadership of her husband. Now friends, this is how two believers in a marriage relationship set their hearts and minds on things above. And as you follow through on this, the more and more you follow through on this, not only will you reflect the in Christ reality that is now yours, but you will experience the blessing of this heavenly reality in the here and now. Not only that, but as you reflect your restored relationship with God to a lost world, a Christian marriage becomes a quiet but incredibly powerful form of evangelism. It really does. And if you you ever lived part of your life as a non-Christian and witnessed a godly marriage in action, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So set your hearts and minds on things above, writes Paul, in the marriage relationship. By wives submitting to your husbands as the church does to Christ, and husbands loving your wives as Christ does the church. Brothers and sisters, if you are here this morning and married, is this where your heart and your head is at? Or is your heart and head still stuck in the down-here earthly model of marriage? The one, the one that says, you know, I'm all good with sacrifice and submission as long as it's done for me. Okay, on to the next relationship on the level of importance in a family. The little ones that often result from a marriage. Verse 20, have a look at it. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. 
So kids, this is for you. And as you hear this word from Paul, your immediate response, your immediate reaction might be, well, hang on, how is that fair in any way? Well, kids, it's not actually about fair. Now, this verse is about how you set your hearts and minds on things above. And the way you do that is listen to your Father's voice above, which tells you to honour him by obeying the parents. Now, kids, you might still think that is really harsh. But how would you feel if Paul just ignored you altogether? Which is, by the way, what most adults did back in Bible times. Now, remember the story where the disciples were trying to shoo away the kids? Jesus tells them off, doesn't he? Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Kids, Jesus loves you. He loves you dearly. How do you show that you love him? Well, just as mums and dads are called to love each other sacrificially, so God calls on you to love sacrificially. By seeking not to argue with the parents he's given you, but by seeking to obey them. And kids, when you set your hearts and minds on doing that, just watch how much this brings you closer in your relationship with God and your parents. Just watch how much this attitude blesses you in your family life. Now, before Paul continues, he gives a quick word for fathers, doesn't he? Now, as your children seek to do this, do not embitter them, he says, verse 21. That is, don't use verse 20 as a weapon. God says, obey little Johnny. God says, obey little Johnny. So get on with it. Now, parents with that attitude will crush their child's spirit. And if you want to know what Jesus thinks about people who do that, jot down Matthew 18, 6-10 and have a look at it later on. And so, friends, we come to the final relationship that was evident in households back then. Verse 22, have a look at it. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Now, before we continue, a question immediately rises in our minds, and we hear that, doesn't it? And it needs to be addressed. And that is, how can Paul, in good conscience, validate this relationship? The marriage relationship, yep. Child and parent, tick. But the slave-master relationship? How is that redeemable at all? How can that in any way reflect heaven above? Surely Paul should simply condemn this relationship outright. <coughs> but friends, if Paul did that, hundreds if not thousands of people would have immediately been thrown out on the street. And there was no social security net, no job seeker back then. Truth is, a good portion of people chose to work as slaves or bond servants as a way to stay off the streets. Not all, but a good portion. 
Was it ideal? No. But for many, it was one better than the alternative. Now, having said that, it is true. The massive power imbalance was an opportunity for terrible abuse. But when that power imbalance wasn't abused in the Christian household, this relationship could shine, indeed reflect the character of the kingdom above. Look as, as Paul explains how this is done. First for slaves. Obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to win for their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ your servant. So, bond servants, slaves, how do you switch your heart and mind from earth to heaven in this relationship? By knowing in your heart and mind you are now working for a new master, one who is gracious, loving, and fair. And this master sees everything. And as a reward, doesn't just provide you a roof over your head, but an eternal inheritance. Your faithful work in God's household, day by day, has eternal value, says Paul. Just as much value as anyone else's faithful work. That's what Paul's saying in verse 25. He says, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrong, and there is no favouritism. See, it's all about, it's all about favouritism down here. But in God's eternal household, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. For Christ is all and is in all. So knowing this, set your heart and mind on your new home, working each day for your new loving no favouritism, Master. And speaking of him, if you are an earthly master, you are to go from taking advantage, if that's what you've been doing, to reflecting the way your master now runs things. And that's in chapter 4, verse 1. Have a look. Masters, provide for your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Now friends, you may be thinking, okay, great, I can see that now. I see how the servant-master relationship reflects the Christian walk as we serve our heavenly master. But how does it actually apply? Because we Christians in Australia don't have slaves. Now, while that's true, it is also true there is a fair amount of crossover here with the employer-employee relationship. And because that's true, if you can replace slave for worker, 
master the boss, this passage can speak into your situation. So if this is your situation, whether worker or boss, let me encourage you to let these verses here speak into your situation. But again, not as a set of rules, but a way of reflecting your attitude from things below to things above. Because friends, as mentioned before, despite those settings, that is what this little section from verse 18 on is all about. It's not rules for Christian families. It's how Christian families reflect their new eternal home. As people who now have this new home awaiting, how are we going at reflecting it? Reflecting it in the different relationships that God has blessed you with. Now, as I look around this room, I understand and appreciate every, everyone's relational situation is different. We all have different challenges, different struggles in our relationships. No one's the same. But at the same time, I also know these verses speak to us all. The big application being this. Do you, in these relationships, reflect your old earthly reality or your new in Christ heavenly reality? Is it evident to the ones most dear to you that your heart and mind has made the move from the old to the new. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you again for the sure and certain promise that in Christ the old is truly gone, the new has come. We thank you for the sure and certain promise that spiritually speaking we are already seated with Christ in heaven. And we thank you too for the wonderful promise because of that, that when Christ returns, we will appear with him in glory. Father, as we wait, please help us in our attitude, heart and mind, to own this new reality to own it, especially as we saw this morning, in our relationships, in our marriage relationship, in our relationship with children and children's relationship with their parents, and also, Lord, in a work relationship. Help us to own it more and more, not just so that we might know the blessing of this, Lord, but that we might continue to bless the world that don't know you. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' precious name for his glory.